Chapter Twenty of the Iron Horse. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. The Iron Horse by Robert Michael Ballantyne. Chapter Twenty. A Nest Harried. Having thus seen one criminal disposed of mr sharp returned to his office to take measures for the arrest of a few more of the same class since we last met with our superintendent he had not led an idle life by any means a brief reference to some of his recent doings will be an appropriate introduction to the little entertainment which he had provided for himself and his men on that particular evening one day he had been informed that wine and spirits had been disappearing unaccountably at a particular station he visited the place with one of his men spent the night under a tarpaulin in a goods shed and found that one of the plate layers was in the habit of drawing off spirits with a siphon the guilty man was handed over to justice and honest men who had felt uneasy lest they should be suspected were relieved on another occasion he was sent to investigate a claim made by a man who was in the accident at langrie station this man who was an auctioneer had not been hurt at all only a little skin taken off his nose but our fop with the check trousers advised him to make a job of it and said that he himself and his friend had intended to make a claim only they had another and more important game in hand which rendered it advisable for them to keep quiet this was just before the attack made on mr lee in the train between clatterby and london the auctioneer had not thought of such a way of raising money but jumped readily at the idea went to glasgow and dundee where he consulted doctors showed them his broken nose coughed harshly in their ears complained of nervous affections pains in the back loins and head and pricking his gums slightly spit blood for their edification spoke of internal injuries and shook his head lugubriously doctors unlike lawyers are not constantly on the watch for impostors the man's peeled and swelled nose was an obvious fact his other ailments might or might not be serious so they prescribed condoled with him charged him nothing and dismissed him with a hope of speedy cure Thereafter the auctioneer went down the Clyde to recruit his injured health and Did a little in the way of business just to keep up his spirits poor fellow After that he visited Aberdeen for similar purposes and then sent in a claim of 150 pounds damages against the Grand National Trunk Railway Mr. Sharp's first proceeding was to visit the doctors to whom the auctioneer had applied then he visited the various watering places whither the man had gone to recruit and ascertained every particular regarding his proceedings finally he went to the north of scotland to see the interesting invalid himself he saw and heard him first in an auction room where he went through a hard day's work even for a healthy man then he visited him in his hotel and found him the picture of ruddy health drinking whiskey punch on stating that he was an agent of the railway company and had called to have some conversation regarding his claim 
some of the auctioneer's ruddy colour fled but being a bold man he assumed a candid air and willingly answered all questions admitted that he was better but said that he had lost much time had for a long period been unable to attend to his professional duties and still suffered much from internal injuries mr sharp expressed sympathy with him said that the case as he put it was indeed a hard one and begged of him to put his statement of it down on paper the auctioneer complied and thought mr sharp a rather benignant railway official when he had signed his name to the paper his visitor took it up and said now mr blank this is all lies from beginning to end i have traced your history step by step down to the present time visited all the places you have been to conversed with the waiters of the hotels where you put up have heard you to-day go through as good a day's work as any strong man could desire to do and have seen you finish up with a stiff glass of whisky toddy which i am very sorry to have interrupted now sir this is very like an effort to obtain money under false pretenses and if you don't know what that leads to you are in a very fair way to find out the company which i have the honor to represent however is generous we know that you were in the langrey accident for i saw you there and in consideration of the injury to your nerves and the damage to your proboscis we are willing to give you a five-pound note as a sort of sticking plaster at once to your nose and your feelings if you accept that good if not you shall take the consequence of this the superintendent here held up the written statement playfully and placed it in his pocket-book the auctioneer was a wise if not honest man he thankfully accepted the five pounds and invited mr sharp to join him in a tumbler which however the superintendent politely declined but this was a small matter compared with another case which mr sharp had just been engaged investigating it was as follows one afternoon a slight accident occurred on the line by which several passengers received trifling injuries at the time only two people made claim for compensation one for a few shillings the other for a few pounds these cases were at once investigated and settled and it was thought that there the matter ended six months afterwards however the company received a letter from the solicitors of a gentleman whose hat it was said had been driven down on the bridge of his nose and had abraded the skin the slight wound had turned into an ulcer which ultimately assumed the form of permanent cancer in consequence of this the gentleman had consulted one doctor in paris and another in rome and had been obliged to undergo an operation for all of which he claimed compensation to the extent of five thousand pounds the company being quite unable to tell whether this gentleman was in the accident referred to or not an investigation was set on foot in which mr sharp bore his part at great expense official persons were sent to paris and to rome to see the doctors said to have been consulted and in the end nearly two years after the accident the company was found liable for the five thousand pounds while we are on the subject of compensation it may not be uninteresting to relate a few curious cases which will give some idea of the manner in which railway companies are squeezed for damages sometimes unjustly and too often 
fraudulently on one occasion a man who said he had been in an accident on one of our large railways claimed one thousand pounds in this case the company was fortunately able to prove a conspiracy to defraud and thus escaped but in many instances the companies are defeated in fraudulent claims and there is no redress the feelings of the juries who try the cases are worked on patients are brought into court exhibiting every symptom of hopeless malady but these same patients not unfrequently possess quite miraculous powers of swift recovery from what had been styled incurable damage one man received six thousand pounds on the supposition that he had been permanently disabled and within a short period he was attending to his business as well as ever a youth with a salary of sixty pounds a year claimed and got twelve hundred pounds on the ground of incurable injury in other words he was pensioned for life to the extent of sixty pounds a year and a year afterwards it was ascertained that he was dancing at balls and had joined his father in business as if there was nothing the matter with him a barmaid who it was said received injuries to the spine of a permanent character and paid a sum of one thousand pounds as we were about to write compensation but consolation would be more the appropriate term seeing that she had little or nothing to be compensated for as she was found capable of dancing at the licensed victuallers ball soon after the accident and eventually she married to oblige railways to compensate for loss of time or property or health to a limited extent seems reasonable but to compel them to pension off people who have suffered little or nothing with snug little annuities of fifty pounds or sixty pounds does really seem to be a little too hard at least so it appears to be in the eyes of one who happens to have no interest whatever in railways save that general interest in the immense value to the land and their inestimable comforts in the matter of locomotion the whole subject of compensation stands at present on a false footing for the comfort of those who wish well to railways and love justice we may add in conclusion that proposals as to modifications have already been mooted and brought before government so that in all probability ere long impostors will receive a snubbing and shareholders will receive increased dividends but let us return to mr sharp having as we have said gone to his office he found his faithful servant blunt there why blunt he said sitting down at the table and tearing open a few letters that awaited him what a good-looking porter you make so my wife says sir replied blunt with a perfectly grave face but with a twinkle in his eye she must be a discriminating woman blunt well what news have you to-night you seem to think you have found out the thieves at gorton station the last time we met so i have sir and there are more implicated than we had expected the place is a perfect nest of them not an uncommon state of things observed mr sharp for it is well known that one black sheep spoils a flock we must weed them all out blunt and get our garden into as tidy a condition as possible it is beginning to do us credit already but that gorton station has remained too long in a bad state we must harrow it up a little well let's hear what you have found out they never suspected you i suppose never had the least suspicion 
replied blunt with a slight approach to a smile i've lived with them now for a considerable time and the general opinion of em about me is that i'm a decent enough fellow but too slow and stupid to be trusted so they have not up to this time thought me worthy of being made a confidant however that didn't matter much cause i managed to get round one of their wives at last and she let out the whole affair in strict confidence of course and as a dead secret in fact i have just come from a long and interesting conversation with her she told me that all the men at the station with one or two exceptions were engaged in it and showed me two of the missing bales of cloth the cloth you remember sir of which there was such a large quantity stolen four weeks ago and for which the company has had to pay i find that the chief signalman davis is as bad as the rest it was his wife that gave me the information in a moment of overconfidence indeed exclaimed sharp in some surprise and what of sam natley and garvey they're both of em innocent sir said blunt i did suspect em at one time but i have seen and heard enough to convince me that they have no hand in the business natley has been going about the station a good deal of late because the wife of one of the men is a friend of his wife and used to go up to nurse her sometime when she was ill as to garvey of course he knows as well as everybody else that some of the men there must be thieves else goods would not disappear from that station as they do but his frequent visits there are for the purpose of reclaiming davis who it seems is an old playmate of his reclaiming davis exclaimed sharp yes and it's my opinion that it'll take a cleverer fellow than him to reclaim davis for he's one of the worst of the lot but garvey is real earnest i chanced to get behind a hedge one day when they were together and overheard them talking about these robberies and other matters and you would have thought sir that the fireman was a regular divine he could quote scripture quite in a stunning way sir and did seem badly cut up when his friend told him that it was of no use talking for it was too late for him to mend has garvey then been aware all this time that davis is one of the thieves and kept it secret asked sharp no sir replied blunt davis denied that he had any hand in the robberies when garvey asked him it was about drink that he was pleading with him so hard you know we have suspected him of that too of late but from what i heard he must be a regular toper garvey was trying to persuade him to become a total abstainer says he to him you know davis that whatever may be true as to the general question of abstaining from strong drink your only chance of being delivered lies in total abstinence because the thing has become a disease i know and believe that christianity would save you from the power of drink but depend upon it that it would do so in the way of inducing you of your own free will to touch not taste not handle not that which you will perish by the using seems to me as if there was something in that sir said blunt inquiringly sharp nodded assent then garvey does not suspect him of being connected with the robberies he asked no replied blunt but he's a deep file is davis and could throw a sharper man than garvey off the scent after a little further conversation on the subject mr sharp dismissed the pretended porter to his station and called upon the superintendent of the police force of clatterby from whom he received an addition to his force of men 
that night he led his men to gorton station and when he thought a suitable hour had arrived he caused them to surround the block of buildings in which the men of the station resided then placing blunt and two or three men in front of davis's house he went up to the door alone and knocked mrs davis opened it she gave the least possible start in observing by the light of her lobby lamp who her visitor was for she knew him well mr sharp took note of the start good evening mrs davis he said good evening sir this is an unexpected pleasure mr sharp most of my visits are unexpected mrs davis but it is only my friends who count them a pleasure is your husband within he is sir pray walk this way i'm sure he will be delighted to see you can you say to supper with us we are just going to have it no thank you mrs davis i'm out on duty tonight said sharp entering the parlor where davis was engaged in reading the newspaper good evening mr davis davis rose with a start mr sharp took note of that also good evening mr sharp he said sit down sir sit down thank you i can't sit down i'm on duty just now the fact is mr davis that i am come to make a search among your men for we have obtained reliable information as to who are the thieves at this station as no doubt some of the men are honest and might feel hurt at having their houses searched i have thought that the best way to prevent any unpleasant feeling is to begin at the top of the free and go downwards they can't say that i made a fish of one and flesh of another if i begin as a mere matter of form mr davis with yourself oh certainly certainly mr sharp by all means replied davis he spoke with an air of candour but it was quite evident that he was ill at ease calling in one of his men mr sharp began a rigorous search of the house forthwith mr davis suggested that he would go out and see that the men were in their residences but mr sharp said that there was no occasion for that and that he would be obliged by his remaining and assisting in the search of his own house every hole and corner of the ground floor was examined without any discovery being made mrs davis observing that her visitors were particular in collecting every shred of cloth that came in their way suddenly asked if it was cloth they were in search of mr sharp thought the question and the tone in which it was put told of a guilty conscience but he replied that he was in search of many things cloth included immediately after and while they were busy with a dark closet mrs davis slipped quietly out of the room mr sharp was stooping at the time with his back towards her but the two back bottoms of his coat must have been eyes for he observed the movement and at once followed her having previously ordered mr davis to move a heavy chest of drawers in order to keep him employed taking off his shoes he went upstairs rapidly and seeing an open door peeped in there he saw a sight that would have surprised any man except a superintendent of police mrs davis was engaged in throwing bales of cloth over the window with the energy of a coal heaver and the haste of one whose house is on fire the poor woman was not robust yet the easy way in which she handled those bales was quite marvellous being a cool and patient man sharp allowed her to toss over five bales before interrupting her when she was moving across the room with the sixth and last he entered she stopped turned pale and dropped the bale of cloth you seem to be very busy tonight mrs davis he observed inquiringly can i assist you 
oh mr sharp exclaimed mrs davis covering her face with her hands she could say no more mr sharp took her gently by the arm and led her downstairs they reached the room below just in time to see blunt enter holding the ejected bales with both arms to his bosom blunt had happened to take his stand just beneath the window of mrs davis's bedroom and when that energetic woman tossed the bales out she pitched them straight into blunt's willing arms the accommodating man waited until he received all that appeared likely to be delivered to him and then with a quiet chuckle bore them as we have seen into davis's parlor this is a bad business davis said sharp as he slipped a pair of manacles on his prisoner davis made no reply he was very pale but looked defiant mrs davis sat down on a chair and sobbed leaving them in charge of blunt mr sharp then paid a visit to all the men of the place and ere long succeeded in capturing all who had been engaged in the recent robberies with the various proofs of their guilt in the shape of cloth loaves of sugar fruit boxes of tea etc in their apartments it had cost mr sharp and his men many weary hours of waiting and investigation but their perseverance was at length well rewarded for the nest was thoroughly harried the men were dismissed and variously punished and that portion of the grand national trunk railway was for the time most effectually purified End of chapter 20